0: This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee
1: in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to twoheadednerd.com and click donate or visit patreon.com/twoheadednerd backslash twoheadednerd to become a supporter
2: today. Ha-cha!
3: Hey, this is DB Stanley, writer co-creator of Lord of Gore, and you are listening to the Two-Headed Nerd podcast with Joe and Matt.
0: Broadcasting from the ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to a spooky Halloween-themed edition of THN episode 400, The Halloween
4: Metal Show!
0: No, no, no. That's, oh. that's off the table. It's a spooktacular now. God damn it! I know. My name's Matt Bomb.
4: And I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. Each week we discuss Wednesday's new comics, comic book movies, TV news, and use our cadaver dogs to search through the rubble of the Internet for the bloated,
0: stinking, and completely baseless rumors. It's almost Halloween, so get ready for a spooky ride, nerds, but please remember to keep your head and arms inside the podcast at all times. Ah! What did I just? It's cool, it's cool.
4: He signed the insurance waiver. Matt, before we lose any more listeners on this uninspected carnival ride, let's get into this week's reviews. We're switching
0: up just a little bit, kids. We're going to go back to a uh, big review and a bunch of little reviews, because we missed that dialogue.
4: It wouldn't be THN if we didn't change our format once every three months.
0: Right on. Joe Patrick, do you want to get us started here?
4: Sure. Uh, my main review for this week is Black Crown Quarterly, number one, from IDW, the Black Crown imprint, written by... Everyone in the Black Crown Posse. I did not write that. I do not say posse. Sure, you do. You say posse
0: all the time. I don't. Yeah. Uh, art by Various. Who? We're a posse. We're the THN Posse. No, we're the yeah. we're a gang. Yeah. That's a gang. Is a posse. Posse is like Spanish for gang. Wow. Yeah. It's forty-eight pages for six
4: ninety-nine. <laughs> Here is your
0: solicit. I don't know if that's
4: true. I don't know if that's
5: true either. <laughs>
4: Everything you always wanted once a season is packed within these 48 pages, including a two-sided pull-out poster and a wraparound cover. Delight in regular continuing features like legit publications with literary pedigrees. It all begins with the 10-page regular lead feature, Tales from the Black Crown Pub, starring Stacey the Barmaid and by award-winner Rob Davis Writer of the Motherless Oven. Oh, yeah. Maybe you've heard
0: of it. Yeah, it didn't have a mom. I remember that.
4: Recurring short features (laughs) include Cannonball Comics, An Exquisite Corpse That Will Not Stay Dead. I don't know what that means. Kicked off by Jamie Coe, writer, creator of Art Schooled, and Swell Maps by respectably divine music journalist slash novelist Kathy Unsworth. This is a lot. Plus, (laughs) Space Cadets Rejoice. That's C-U-D, like a cow. Live from a posh retirement village for wannabe four-hit wonders, we have co-writers and bandmates, Will Potter and Carl Putnam, and occasional artist, Philip Bond. I love Philip Bond.
0: I also love Philip Bond.
4: Plus, plus, special previews, creator interviews, and behind-the-panel, border secrets from Kid Lobotomy, Assassinistas, Punk's Not Dead, and much, much more. Wow. It was 64 pages. There's a lot I know. There. Black Crown Quarterly is essentially the Marvel Age-style promotional series for Shelley Bond's Black Crown imprint. And as the solicit states, this seasonal magazine features a smattering of ongoing original comic features, previews of upcoming projects, plus interviews, essays, pin-ups, etc. It really is the closest thing to a classic Vertigo comic that I've read in years. Uh, and that's even more so than Vertigo's current output. It especially embraces the tone and the aesthetic of the comic industry's British Invasion of the late 80s and early 90s. Absolutely. Yeah, we had one. Absolutely. Uh, and that's when writers like Alan Moore, Neil Gaiman, Grant Morrison, and Peter Milligan, who
0: is featured here as well, dominated the comic stands. It's Peter Milligan's baby, this whole black crown.
4: No, it's Shelley Bond's baby. Well, Peter Milligan and, has one book. Him Kids and Shelley Latter.
0: Bond, I thought, did it together. Like no, it's, this together. is
4: all Shelley Bond's thing. It's yeah. Shelley Bond's thing. She was the driving yeah, force of vertigo. Yeah, but famous
0: one, so everyone's, you know...
4: He's got one book. It's like Shelley's one with He's the talent. He's one cog in the, in the, band, the wheel of the Black everybody Crown. everybody
0: thinks the guitar player is sexy. You know?
4: Anyway, the lead feature, <laughs> Tales from the Black Crown Pub, is a fun House of Mystery-esque tale about the seemingly mystical pub where Black Crown citizens congregate. There's Cannonball Comics, which seem to be a feature where imaginary comic book characters sprang to life of their book inside a bizarre comic book store. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. But I don't think they were previews of upcoming books. I think they were made-up comics.
0: Yeah, no, no. The comic book store, I think, is, gives life to characters. I think that's going to be the story.
4: Okay, interesting. Yes. And then there's the heartwarming tale of Cud and the heartwarming saga of its elderly members trying to get the band back together. Philip Bond drew this story. Yep. I really love him. It was great. I enjoyed the previews of upcoming books, like Punk's Not Dead. It looks pretty good. It's like, um... It looks... <laughs> I don't think it's specifically it's, it's a ghost story. Sid Vicious, but it looked like the ghost of Sid Vicious haunting yeah, no, no. some shitty bathroom. I think it's just
0: some yeah punk.
4: uh, Assassinistas, uh which is co- which is written by Tiny Howard and uh, drawn by Gilbert Hernandez from Love and Rockets, looks pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kid lobotomy, sorry, it's just too freaking weird.
0: I loved it. I don't know. I, I don't know if I can it get was into it. Great.
4: The problem with this title is that it could be totally different from issue to issue. There's a lot of content packed in here for the money, and you can tell it's a real labor of love from Shelley Bond. But I don't think that Black Crown Quarterly will ever rise above a skim it for me just because of its very nature. There's a lot to like within these pages, but it's going to be a very mixed bag every time.
0: I think that's why I liked it, because it reminded me of punk rock zine meets old school British, like weird comic books that we were getting. I loved those, that invasion at the time, because it was just so different. Than anything else we were reading, yeah. and this there's so much passion here, and I just thought it was really charming and a lot of fun. I'm giving this a huge buy it, and I think I will probably read it every month. I just I have a hard time. A it's a marketing tool. Well, sure. Uh, it's going to be mostly previews. Yeah, of, of books that are coming out already. Well, I mean, maybe when those books and, are already out, it'll probably be little side stories and whatnot. Um, and
4: I just really can't relate to that whole scene, you know. So while I do like that kind of early Vertigo aesthetic. Some of it is just like, okay, I get it. You no, really no, no. you really love Brit Pop and the underground blah blah blah. Sure. Uh see, I mean I'm being very dismissive, but yeah, it was good.
0: All our precious
4: American bullshit. Sure, no, I get it. I get it. I've got you know, we've got our own American baggage. Sure. Um it, it was good. I just it's like I don't know if I'm gonna necessarily be drawn to it every time. Matt, let's uh let's hop on this Quinjet. And go to Wakanda.
0: All right. Let's do it. I'm talking about Black Panther number 166 from Marvel Comics, written by Tanisi Coates, with art by Leonard Kirk. It is 32 pages. It was three ninety nine, And it should be said that this is your first Marvel Legacy Black Panther book, returning it to some numbering. I'm not sure how they counted to get this math. But here we are. This is not a jumping on point. It's not. It, and this is by no fault of the Black Panther story that Coates is writing, because he has been writing a very cohesive story from... Issue one to now. That is definitely worth reading. But don't punish this because Marvel decided to put Marvel Legacy on the cover and make you feel like it should be a jumping on point. That's Marvel's fault, Black Panther's.
4: Marvel should have had all of their ducks in a row and every debut Marvel Legacy, every issue to have the Legacy banner starting
0: out should have been a jumping on point. It should have been a part one. Maybe a quarter of them are. And this is labeled part seven. Yeah. Regardless, it's not that often that creators from outside the realm of comics come in and just nail it. Before he was writing for Marvel, Tanisi Coates was already an award-winning author and correspondent for The Atlantic magazine. While I loved Coates' first run on Black Panther, there was some criticism that his storytelling was a little slow. And yes, he was taking his time to flesh out said storyline, but I don't think we get enough of that in comics anymore, and I really loved where he was going." we flash forward to the first issue of Panther's legacy renumbering and Coates is setting us up for a huge return and a major turning point for Wakandan society. The issue follows Ulysses claw, AKA the sound wielding maniac, Claw. And he sets himself up <laughs> as he sets himself up for his confrontation with the Black Panther. Unlike most writers, Coates isn't setting up a mustache twiddling villain with the intentions of punching or shooting his nemesis in his submission. This is not going to be an Avenger style splash page punch fest. Instead, Coates has introduced us to a smarter, more powerful claw with his sights once more set on Wakanda's vibranium along with some help from some classic Panther and Fantastic Four and Iron Man villains like Ezekiel Stane, Sasha Hammer, Dr. Faustus, and the more recent Zenzi the Revealer. Whoa. Instead of charging the gates of Wakanda, this group has been powering up the claw with the help of Zenzi, who has the power to read and control emotions. And she has been slowly eroding the Panther's power in the eyes of his own people using her propaganda powers, if you will. Wakanda is shifting to a democratic monarchy, and the panther god sees his popularity slipping thanks to Zenzi's powered propaganda and the emergence of a new god of Wakanda.
4: There's also, like, another element? Reverbium or something?
0: Reverbium, which comes from a neighboring African state that hates Wakanda. Not as powerful. That's what Claw is using to up his power right now, but still the vibranium. That's the one that he feels is going to... Make him achieve godlike status. Sure, yeah. Coates' story from the beginning has been about Wakanda and its king. And what is the best way to dethrone a king? Turn his people against him. And like I said, this story takes a break from the main character to show us the new claw and establish both a history for the ridiculous villain and even make the reader a little sympathetic to his cause. Leonard Kirk is just wonderful on art, always. And his final page worked very well with Coates' claw storyline Fitting this in to where it has been coming. I don't want to spoil anything, but it's really, really cool. Coates has done more for the Black Panther's character in his short run than most have done in their career. Black Panther 166 was an excellent read and a much needed update for a B-list villain. Again, this is not a jumping on point, but you should be reading Coates' Black Panther. It is wonderful, and this book gets a buy-it.
4: See and that's where i'm going to i'm going to split from you because i agree with everything you said it was a wonderful book But it was also part seven of an ongoing story, and Skim It is not a punishment. No, I know it's not. This is not the book to buy if you want to get into Black Panther.
0: I understand that, but I'm also not punishing this book because this was- I just said that Skim It is not a punishment. What I'm saying is, yes, this is not a great jumping on point, but if you just picked it up and went, oh, I haven't thought about Claw for a while, this totally sets up the character for what's going to happen next. It's a great reintroduction to the character. It does fit into the middle of the storyline that he's telling. And you'll get there. But man. All right, shut up now. It's my turn. This book was great. It was
4: great. All of the things Matt said are true. Do not buy this comic if you are not already reading Black Panther. Sure. Go to the comic book store, flip through it, check out the art, see if it's your cup of tea. I loved it. I thought it was wonderful. It made me angry at myself for falling off the book so early. You should be angry. This book I is know. so I'm, good. It, yes. And I read it, and I'm like, God, what have I been doing? Why have I not been reading this book? I love Leonard Kirk. I think that his work here uh, looks better than it has looked in years. And I always have been a fan, but he's got an inker with him on, I think, the flashback scenes. Somebody else inked his work on the flashback scenes. Yeah, I can't remember who it was. It's
0: gorgeous. Really It's really gorgeous. It really is. And And how's that? Has what they've done here with Claw is that part of his storyline, or did is this the thing new? with the sister? Yeah, is
4: this new? I didn't know anything about that before now. Yeah,
0: because I've never recall hearing anything about yeah, that. The, Claw is just a beautiful literally
4: film. everything I know about Claw came from the last half of the origin, where it's like shows up to Wakanda, kills T'Challa's dad, right. Gets his hand blown off, becomes Claw. Yeah, that's everything I know and about I think Claw. That may have been it. That may have been the entire origin yeah. up until now, right? And um, yeah, but. This is absolutely not the book to get started with. Sure. So go to the shop, skim it. And then buy the first three Black Panther trades. Yes, and catch up. Yes, and then and then you'll get there, and that's my recommendation.
0: Yeah, it's just a shame, because it's not this book's fault that Marvel put Legacy banners it's all not, over It's everything. not, it, it's not. Th- it's bad marketing. Marvel, bad marketing. Uh,
5: look,
4: I'm not even, I don't want to shit all over Legacy, because I there are some things that they're doing that I like, but... Sure,
0: I still just don't totally know what it is. There
4: does. are lots of eyes on it. Mm-hmm. There are lots of eyes on Marvel right now because of this Legacy push. And everything that they put out for this legacy push should have been new reader friendly, and it's not.
0: No. So I'm sorry, but this is a great book, and you should all definitely be reading it. Absolutely. So there's our two main reviews of two of this week's comics. We want to know what you guys thought about them, so hit us up over at THN forums and tell us. But now that we've given our critical analysis, let's get into the useless BS. Joe, in true Halloween spirit, this week... In true Halloween spirit, this week, Joe and I have tied ribeyes to our back and left a flaming bag of poop on the werewolf by night's doorstep. And as soon as I ring this doorbell, we're going to hightail it out of here when we review eight more of this week's new comic starring... (laughs) for Speed! Go! Ghostbusters, answer the call. Number one from IDW.
4: The Lady Ghostbusters are back in their own series. Great art. But the story straight up cribs entire plot points from the movie, and the script even makes fun of it. Huh. Kind of lame, still kind of fun. Skim it.
0: All right. Jughead the Hunger, number one from Archie. Juggy's one shot as a werewolf sold so well, Archie is giving him a monthly, and Frank Thierry returns to write it. I never thought I would say this. Frank Thierry's kicking ass here. <laughs> He's got a new artist on it, Patrick Kennedy, but Kennedy doesn't miss a step drawing the dark side of Riverdale. I'm giving The Hunger a buy-it. Captain Marvel, number 125 from Marvel. Writer Margaret Stoll
4: picks up immediately following the events of the past several issues, and I have no idea what's happening. Yeah. None. <laughs> there are There's like a half a dozen cast members that I've never even heard of. Yep. Like I said earlier, these legacy relaunches really should have been jumping on points, and this absolutely was not decent art, not new reader friendly. Skim it.
0: Blue Beetle number 14 DC Comics. Friend of the show Christopher Sabella gets his first shot at an ongoing title and he does a great job with Jamie Reyes and the gang. Well he'd been co-writing Detective for a while. Yeah, but this is him. He's the guy. It's his. Scott Collins is on art and he does really well with the action but he gets a little weird here and there. There's like a really zitty girl that I don't get. And UFOs show up. I am still so happy every time I get to see Ted Coward in a comic, and this book really was fun. I'm giving it a five. All right. Goosebumps. Monsters at Midnight, number one from IDW. This was a pretty fun, spooky, all-ages read set
4: in the world of the famous book series. The art by Chris Finoglio was great, but why is Jeremy Lambert writing this and not R.L. Stein himself? The guy writes comics now. Yeah, I guess. He wrote Man-Thing for Marvel. He's a busy dude. Was he too busy to write his own comic? Yes, Maybe he's tired of it. Eh. Don't put him in a box. Strong skim it,
0: mainly because this is definitely for the kids. Okay. Batman, the Merciless, number one from DC. It's Pete Tomasi and Francis Manipal's turn to unleash another bat nightmare on the DCU, and this time... It's what if Batman became Ares, the God of War. It's just as brutal and as huge as the other ones before it. These one-shots have been must-read stuff, and Manifold's art is amazing here. I'm giving it a huge buy It. These have been so great. Yeah, I love them. Oh, my God. Eternity, number one, from Valiant.
4: Matt Canton, and Trevor Harrison are back with the next chapter in the Divinity Saga, and... And is it important for you to have read the previous oh, ones? Yes, this is part three. Well, yeah, but you know what? Stalin verse, you could have just read it. I suppose. Um I like I was confused because it's been so long since I thought about some of the things that happened in this book. I knew exactly what was going on. It's wonderfully written, breathtakingly beautiful, but definitely not a good place to start as a new reader. Same recommendation as for Black Panther. Skim this issue, go back, get the divinity traits. Okay, I'm gonna buy it. I love it.
0: Hack Slash, Resurrection number 1 from Image. I admit it, this is the first Hack Slash comic I've read, and I might be wrong here. I need someone to tell me. Judging from the first issue, I don't feel like I need to read anymore. Tiny Howard comes on as a new writer for the series... Tim Seeley created featuring Cassie Hack, the survivor of a slasher killer, that went on to kill other slashers, all while wearing very short skirts for plenty of fan service panty shots. Here, it's a, more excuses to draw skinny girls in their underwear, showing off that said underwear and down blouse. I don't know if this is supposed to be an empowered thing or not. Well yeah, I mean she's empowered, she's the hero. It didn't work for me at all. I'm giving this a leave it. Larg! That is your Luther speed round. And it's the sound of Dr. Strange violently ralphing after defeating and absorbing Mr. Misery as seen in the pages of Dr. Strange 19. Now, stay with me here. This onomatopoeia came courtesy of JD Gotta Catch Them All via the Marvel Lake House where everything is six months in the past. So hey, it's new to him. But if you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week and you aren't too busy losing your lunch, hit us up on any of our social media or shoot us an email to a nerd at gmail.com. Also, if you want to read more fleshed-out reviews of these books, along with others, head over to the review section of TwoHeadedNerd.com. And, once again, you can tell me how badly I screwed up on all of them.
4: Yeah, you may have noticed that uh, we played it pretty fast and loose with a Ludicrous Speed <laughs> Round, and that was by design.
0: <laughs> we want you to go read this stuff. Respond. This week in the Sanctum Sanctorum. Joe and I have been dabbling in a little necromancy, trying to reanimate one of the fallen moloids. You know, for Halloween. For the
4: record, I do not approve of necromancy in the
0: sanctum. Oh, pipe down, you big baby. I just got his right arm to twitch. Joe, if you're not going to help, then at least make yourself useful and tell the nerds about your must-read pick for next week.
4: It's got to be Captain America 695 from Marvel Comics, written by Mark Wade with art by Chris Somney. It's 32 pages for three ninety nine. dollars Here's your solicit. Home of the Brave begins. <laughs> and Steve Rogers is back in action in the red, white, and blue. Steve begins a journey across America to restore his tarnished reputation, and the dangers he encounters along the way are unlike any.
0: He's faced before. Still, this is Captain America's turn to walk across the United
4: States. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I could uh, from him. From him, I can take it. Yeah, uh, it's
0: not Straczynski, so it should be fine. Yeah.
4: Um. I mean, Wade and Somni, Mark Wade's Captain America. Yeah. Uh. In the past, have been some of the greatest Captain America.
0: Oh, comments. without a doubt.
4: And the Wade Somni team. Kills it at Marvel on whatever they do. Captain America's in a weird place right now because of Secret Empire and the whole deal. And I think that's kind of what this story is about. And Steve Rogers is dealing with the reality of the fallout. Yeah,
0: if nothing else, I mean, I'm glad that's over. Yeah. But I'm also glad that they're not just going to be like, well, never happened. Everything's fine. Right. Um, He's got to deal with the idea that he has to kind of reclaim the public trust is pretty
4: compelling. And I like and I'm into it.
0: My pick for next week is Grave Diggers Union. It's from Image. It's written by Wes Craig with art by Toby Cypress. It's 40 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit. Deadly class! Co-creator Wes Craig launches a new series with art by rising star Toby Cypress! Omega Men! Exclamation point. The supernatural world has gone crazy. The apocalypse is coming and only the Grave Diggers Union can stop it. How? Well, first their leader Cole has to find his estranged daughter. But... Yeah, that'll happen. Is is she the one behind the apocalypse? Wild comedic horror with steroid zombies, monster gods, swamp vampires, ghost storms, and space monkeys.
1: Oversized first issue!
0: Now, Wes Craig is the artist... On Deadly Class, yeah, he's writing here, yeah, which should be fun. Tony S- Toby Cypress is awesome. Uh, yeah,
4: we brought up Toby Cypress a few weeks ago. Yep. He drew that graphic novel Rad Racer, yeah, or Rod Racer, Rod, Rod, Rod Racer. Racer, Rad, Rad Racer, Racer. Was, the was game. a video game, yes. Um, and also they've he's got a new book out called Retcon at Image. His art is wild,
0: talented, freaking dude.
4: Yeah, the THN trade of the week goes to Alan, son of Hellcock. <laughs> it's a hardcover from Z2 Comics. Written by Gabe Kaplowitz, Kaplowitz, Kaplowitz,
0: there you go, and
4: Will Tracy with art by Miguel Porto, it's 136 pages for $21.99, here's your solicit, Alan is cowardly, directionless, and less physically menacing than a daffodil, just like me, he's also the only son of the mightiest hero ever to plunge his sword hilt deep into the dark heart of evil, the mighty (laughs) Hellcock. Enjoy the ride as Alan is thrust sword first into a not-so-classic fantasy quest that, frankly, he would rather just sit out.
0: We reviewed the first issue of
4: this yeah, and
0: we loved it.
5: Yeah,
4: it was super good, Yeah, and it's coming out in a hardcover, uh, 136 pages, uh, so I guess it was only four issues. 22 bucks.
0: it's a hardcover. It's worth it for the read, fun yep. stuff.
4: And you know what, I'm... I'm willing to overlook a slightly higher price point on indie publishers because they don't have tons of
0: ad revenue. So there's our picks for next week. <sighs> Joe. Joey's alive. Joey did it. The blood magic. It worked. He's alive, Joe. Jesus, dude. Not anymore. Oh, come on! How many
4: times have you seen Pet Cemetery? A couple!
0: You know how this goes! All right, that's fair, that's fair. But you never let me have any fun! While I clean up this gore, why don't you, kids, hit us up on Twitter at Two Headed Nerd or our Facebook page and tell us what you are reading? Hey, maybe what you think we should be reading.
4: Hey, Matt! It's time to clear our throats and lower our voice an octave and try to sound official. Ladies and gentle nerds, it's time to talk about this week's
5: Nerd
4: Notes. Thanks for letting me do that. Man. Yeah, yeah, we switch off. St. Louis Comics, since when? We're a team. St. Louis Comics. I'm the team
0: captain, obviously, uh, oh, right. you're on the team. Right, right.
4: St. <laughs> Louis Comics and graphic novel publisher Lion Forge has acquired... The Beat, Heidi McDonald's blog of comic book culture. Lion Forge came in with some cash apparently. I guess. Uh, I know. The Beat was founded in 2004 by Heidi McDonald who has run it ever since. It's a long-standing <laughs> industry staple, uh, a valuable voice in comics journalism, and Lion Forge swooped in, bought The Beat. Heidi is going to leave her full-time job at Publishers Weekly, which I didn't even realize she had. Yeah. And she's going to work as editor in chief of the Beat full time.
0: That's so cool.
4: And in order to get this going and keep it running, Lion Forge has created a separate company called Syndicated Comics, whose sole focus is to run and manage the Beat. That's awesome. To take the day to day drudgery away from Heidi, this so is that like, she can focus on the journalism. This is like side. the
0: dream. This is what we want. Tell Lion Forge we are for dear Lion Forge we are for sale, and we're cheap. Uh, We're not that cheap. (laughs) We're super We're not that cheap because,
4: yeah, no. Uh, There are a lot. You can go online. And and, we
0: will do anything for money. uh, Anything.
4: uh, That's partially (laughs) true. Uh, There's a lot of quotes and stuff in here that we're not going to really bother reading. uh, But we like the beat. It's a great site.
0: Yeah. Heidi McDonald's a total badass. And she's one of the few comic journalists that I, I would say since 2004 has really put out fair, balanced, excellent reporting she, well, and she's also not a slave to the big two. Yeah, she's done it the hard way, and she's stuck with it and built her way up. I'm super proud of her, and I think this is an awesome acquisition. And way to go, Lion Forge well, for recognizing how important this is.
4: Here's where here's my question, though. Sure. Like we we both agree that the beat is great. Heidi McDonald
0: is great. Yeah. But she also no longer owns the beat. Like, I don't it, think that's a big was, deal. I don't well, think Heidi McDonald goes into. I mean, she's by now proven herself and i don't think she goes into a deal like this going okay Lion Forge, i guess you greased my palms so let's give all the Lion Forge books good reviews you know i i don't see that happening at all i think she's working for them sure but this is sort of like when the you know the new york times buys another newspaper i don't think they fire the entire editorial staff and say if you guys are out we're gonna make you a clone of us it's. I think this is with the best of intentions.
4: All right. I don't want to assume the worst. Sure. Because I like Lion Forge as a company, and I'm sure that they want it to succeed. Right. But Comics Alliance went through a financial rough patch. Yes. They got uh, saved by a corporate buyout, and then they got shut down.
0: Yeah. Twice. Yeah. Two times. I, I agree. I mean, and there's a danger there. Sure. But-
4: And this- now none of the people that were involved, none of the people that were- responsible for bringing that site to fruition and making it popular have any say in the Comics Alliance name. And
0: I get that, but that's also a separate deal. We don't know what the deal is here. I mean, it's sort of... Who knows how this is put together?
4: Jonah Weiland, saying- who founded Comic Book Resources, sold out to some corporate giant. He went to go live on a yacht somewhere, and now CBR is a garbage <laughs> I site. I don't
0: think he went to live on a yacht. But-
4: no, <laughs> he he's got. I mean, I'm not saying he literally lives on a yacht, but he's eating kangaroo with supermodels right now. Comic Book <laughs> Resources has a long history of doing stuff on yachts. You can look it up. <laughs> Regardless, like they park a yacht in the in the bay out uh, or in the whatever the body of water is right outside uh, near. The convention center in San Diego. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, they don't and necessarily even park one. They probably rent one. And they do interviews on the yacht. Yeah. They're renting a yacht. It's not like they have a CBR yacht. I know. Anyway, we will see. I don't know. But I think more of the beat is a good thing. And if it was in danger of going away, then I welcome this and we'll have to see what comes next.
4: I hope it works out great. Yeah. I like Lion and Forge. And also, they're
0: being bought by Lion Forge. They're not being bought by yeah. some unseen corporate entity. This is Lion Forge Comics. I mean, you're
4: right. Yes, that is a, an important difference between yeah. what happened to Comics Alliance and CBR. Yes. Uh, Line That's is why I feel better about it. A this. comic book company with the interest of preserving comic culture. Alright,
0: let's go back to the Hollywood Dirt Desk. Nate Simpson's image comic series Nonplayer has been optioned as a feature film by Legendary Entertainment. According to Deadline, Thor Ragnarok co-writer Eric Pearson has been chosen to adapt Simpson's story about a young woman named Dana who works a dead-end job as a tamale, I want to say tamale, as a tamale delivery driver in the real world, but lives a double life as an elite warrior in the online fantasy world of Jarvath. That's such a terrible name. Jarvis! Non-player debuted in 2011 to tons of acclaim, and the second issue didn't come out until four years later, in 2015. Delays were attributed to an injury, and Simpson taking on a full-time job outside of comics. It was planned as a six-issue miniseries, but no further issues have been released. This is actually the second time the property has been optioned. Shortly after the release of Non-player number one, Warner Brothers acquired the film rights, but nothing ever came of it. So, six years two issues do we care about non-player my answer is no my answer is also no my answer is no and here's the other thing i don't know that this is news because comics like get optioned all the time but why this and why now Uh, just because it's tied into video games it's clever it's got a flashy artist there was a bunch of buzz about it why now there was a bunch of buzz about it. maybe they renegotiated and got it cheap i don't know but comics get optioned all the time. I'm saying, by the time a non, ever happens, by the time a
4: non-player it. movie comes out, it will have been five years since yeah. the last issue.
0: I know it's ridiculous. I just, I don't think this is news, and I really don't care. I can't fall in love with a series that doesn't come out. Was it very I pretty mean, to look we at? We were in love with it at it, the time. It was stunningly beautiful to look at. As if you go back and listen to our review, the story was fine. It not. Well, bad. We didn't get enough of the story to really make a judgment on. That's that. just it. I mean, I don't know if I love the book or not. I know the artist is extremely talented.
4: And I don't fault the guy. Like, I understand the guy wasn't able to complete the project. I get it. Life happens. No, I totally understand that. He hurt himself. He had to get a real job. I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying... It's just this and is good not for news. him for getting paid.
0: It is news. Stop saying it's not news. It is news. It's just curious news. Sure. As soon as something happens, it'll be news. But yeah, it's just like why? Why non-player? And, well, good for them. Yeah. If they put this out, it's gonna have to look really flashy and get somebody's attention because comic readers, I don't think care anymore. Uh, JD,
4: gotta catch them all in the chat. Says they're trying to capitalize on Ready Player One, uh, like Piranha, uh, the, Deck, like Piranha well, to Jaws. Yeah,
0: Dante's Peak <laughs> and volcano. You know, same thing.
4: <laughs> Great analogy, JD. Let's All go. Right. To,
0: wait, let's go to our alien affairs desk for this next story.
4: All right, you know what? That joke's not working because I like you don't really have anything ready when we when we start this. And you, I just had that ready. Our alien affairs desk. Okay. <laughs> According to Variety, Rogue One, a Star Wars but story. Screw act- you, you jerk! It was funny. <laughs> 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 it, it wasn't that funny. Rogue won a Star Wars story. Actor Ben Mendelsohn, he played uh, General or Admiral Krennic, mm-hmm. the the villain.
0: He's a bad guy
4: is in Talks to Star in Marvel Studios' Captain Marvel as the film's main villain, who reports say will likely be the leader of the Skrulls. Is he the Super Skrull?
0: <laughs> I hope he's the Super Skrull. Maybe. He's got a thing arm and a flaming well, he's arm. definitely not going to have a thing arm. <laughs> and he's all stretchy.
4: <laughs> Mendelssohn starred for the directors Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck in their film Mississippi Grind, and they reportedly had him in mind while plotting the story for Captain Marvel. The film stars Brie Larson as Carol Danvers, and it's set to open on March 8th, 2019. According to reports, Captain Marvel, which is a period piece set during the 1990s. I kind of love that. Will help set the stage for the next phase of the MCU following the conclusion of the Thanos Infinity Stone storyline. And rumor has it that Marvel Studios has their eyes set on Secret Invasion as their next multi-film epic. Why not? Matt, if these rumors are true, you just know that someone wandering the MCU right now is secretly a scroll. Call your shot. Place your nerd bet.
0: I don't know. Nick Fury. Who cares? I don't care. Nick if, Fury. If Nick Fury's a scroll, I don't care. You know what I mean? Because he's not in it enough. But he's going to be in Captain Marvel. Yeah, he's going to be in like Captain young, Marvel. Like younger Nick Fury. Okay.
4: Well- I mean, probably still Samuel L. Jackson. Right, right,
0: right. They're just less grizzled. Make, yeah. Maybe two eyes. I, I mean, I'm trying to think of somebody who died or like, I'd be like, no, he's not dead. He was a scroll or something like that. Right now, I don't know if Secret Invasion works honestly, unless they're going to play it where it's like, no, all these members of the government have been replaced and stuff like that. Like, maybe one of the heroes? So I read
4: an article on Newsarama. It wasn't an article. It was like a friggin' clickbait listicle.
0: Like, here's who we think could be a scroll. You know who I hope it is? I hope it's Hawkeye and he doesn't have a family, actually.
4: Well, they made a very good point that it will n- likely not be anyone that's had a solo movie. Yeah. Because we've been inside their heads. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, It'll
0: either be Hawkeye or Black Widow. Black
4: Widow, Hawkeye, Nick Fury. Uh, probably not the Hulk.
0: Probably not because you don't. Squirrels can look like certain things, but they can't Hulk out and be the yeah, strongest right. there is.
4: Um, I'm saying any any of the spy characters are strong contenders. Yes,
0: definitely. Falcon um, could be in there.
4: Uh, sure. I. Yeah, I suppose. Totally. Falcon kind of came into the 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 team like through happenstance, like he just happened to meet Cap while Cap was on the run from the government. Oh, was it a coincidence? Ooh. Mm. Dun, dun, dun.
0: Mm. And, the, you know, like in the, in the horror movies, they always kill the black guy first, so who knows? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, like, I
4: love Secret Invasion. I, I love the idea, uh, you know, long build up. Like oh, and it's going to be multiple movies. So like the culmination, the the, the right. actual Secret Invasion right. movie, Avengers five or whatever, well, it this will could be
0: stretch to Guardians too. I don't yeah. know.
4: Oh, Guardians, I think is going is also supposed to be part of it. Uh, Guardians three, of course. They have some groundwork to lay, I think. Yeah, because you you started to make a point earlier that like in the comics we had decades.
0: Sure. Of character development. And so when they were like, oh shit, Electra's a scroll. Right. We got to find out like some shocking stuff. How long were they scrolled? Yeah. What did they do that? You know, and it also fixed some problems with some characters. Too. Sure,
4: right. Um, I don't know that the emotional heft. Right. Like if, right. if, if they were like, Blackwood is a scroll, it's like, yeah, but uh
0: is that she's what, I been guess in, that's why she didn't get a movie. She's been in
4: <laughs> yeah, she's been in five movies and they kind of shit on her m- in most of them. Yeah. I like I hope Hawkeye's
0: so, a scroll and he doesn't have a family. Uh, <laughs> like they did it wrong. Like. I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's stay in Hollywood. Our final story. We've got breaking news.
4: From the Rock of Eternity Desk. Joe
0: Patrick, your Shasm has been named, <laughs> and he is Ugh. Chuck Star zachary levi ah, what are you talking about he's perfect he's totally ripped <laughs> he's huge look
4: i love chuck i love the show chuck
0: i did not love the show Chuck. yeah
4: you didn't give it enough time I it's a it. really fun charming show zachary levi is great he's really great
0: as fandrill in the thor I was movies say, more recently he played fandrill um i did not even recognize him by the way well yeah because he's Somebody he's told me full, afterwards. He's full Fandral. Whoa. Well, well, he was not the
4: first Fandral.
0: That no, was a no, different no. Guy. That was a different guy. But Zachary Levi is a classically trained song and dance man. Sure. He's got a Broadway Very background. Very charming.
4: He's got the smile. Like, he's got the aw shucks Captain Marvel attitude. You but know what he's not? He's not he John Cena. He's not John Cena. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, and I'm not normally, normally, I, normally I'd normally i say, you know what? We've seen it before. Sure. We were like... Oh, that guy's not big enough to play a character X, and then they fucking bulk up crazy style. Right. Uh, but there's no amount of human working out, right. uh, uh, Human muscle development exactly that will turn Levi Zachary Levi into a guy Christian that looks like Bale. Captain
0: Marvel. Like Christian Bale is a freak, and yeah. he can do that. He can inflate and become a monster. Zachary Levi? No. <laughs> no I just way. don't know. Like, maybe it's Zachary Levi from the neck up and yeah. then CGI from the <laughs> neck down. <laughs> Big ripped body on Chuck. I don't know. We shall see. Uh, but we want to talk about it with you kids. What do you think? Zachary Levi is your shazams scrolls running around in Marvel movies. What's going to happen to the beat? Uh, we want to hear from you guys. I also want to talk about Marvel Legacy. How do you feel like it's going? Do you feel like it's even a thing? Do you know what it is? Can you nail it down and tell me? Because I don't really know at this point. Oh, Stranger Things came out? Stranger Things? I came watched out. the first two episodes. I have not watched anything, so I have to wait for my wife. Oh, great. Because I'm a good husband uh-huh. unlike you so my wife watched it without me you can call us at 402-819-4894 you can press the call now button on our facebook page but before you do that joe patrick reset the question of the week we're talking about this week please.
4: this question of the week came from black scorpion the three on the yes. forums yes halloween style what comic book scared you as a kid oh i guess you didn't have to be a kid like, pick a comic book that legit scared you. Yeah, the Let's first comic
0: that you remember scaring you. So there is your news, and you've got your question. Joey,
5: open the phone line!
0: Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Caller, I think I know who this is, but who it is? It's your resident dudas Priest, JD Gotta Catch Them All.
6: <laughs> oh, all right, on the, uh, on the redo. Sorry, JD Gotta Catch Them All.
4: I'm the resident dudas
0: Priest now. What are you talking about? I got ordained I know, in the Church of the Latter-day
4: Dude this week. You did? <laughs> yes, I did. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> just for shits and yeah. giggles? <laughs> so as a joke, uh, a, a friend of mine, a couple of friends of mine uh, from work are getting married. Mm. And out of the blue, uh, uh, he asked, his name is also Joe. Joe asked me, you wouldn't happen to be an ordained minister, would you?
0: <laughs> You're like, hold on, clickety-clack. I, am <laughs> yeah,
4: <Al."> I said, <laughs> I said, no, why are you looking for somebody to marry you? Uh, which I knew was a joke because they are devoutly Catholic and that is not going to fly <laughs> with their families. Um, and he's like, well, our priest backed out because he double booked himself. His niece is getting married on the same day. That's
0: ridiculous. Give me the short version of this story. Uh, the
4: story. The short version is uh, while he was asking me these questions, I thought about Jeff and the dudist, uh, the church of the Latter-day Dude. And I was like, clickety-clickety-clack. And literally 30 seconds later, I was an ordained minister. Way to go.
0: Yeah. Yep. <laughs> JD, not only was that story long, but it was pointless too. Can you uh, hey. get us back on track? <laughs> what do you want to talk about today? <laughs> uh.
6: Well, um, I just finished last week's episode like yesterday and hearing Brian Domingos' response about the Michael Cray thing. I just thought I had a horrifying thought, which is talking about Green Arrow doing the, uh, the most dangerous game thing. Right. Is there... Anybody that can, I mean, is it possible that Ted Nugent hasn't done this for real?
0: Oh, I guarantee Ted Nugent's (laughs) killed people for real. I promise you he has. That nutball? Oh, yeah.
6: Oh, the Nugent. It just occurred to me. I'm like, that's terrifying. Yeah,
0: I guarantee Uh, he has. And they probably weren't white victims either. Just throwing that out there, you know.
6: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But on that same on that same track with the Michael Cray thing, there was one other thing I forgot to. I, I just want to ask you a few questions, hit Matt. Me, hit just me. okay. You like Planetary, correct?
0: I love Planetary.
6: Okay, and what about Planetary J- JLA?
0: I thought it was a fine crossover. It wasn't like something I needed to happen. You know what I mean? I
6: don't really remember Planetary J.L.A. It
0: was forgettable. What about Planetary Batman? I love Planetary The Batman. Planetary Batman issue was was really cool. But I also felt like those were just these like Elseworlds aside things, you know? I mean... But
6: Planetary... You've is, made the pl- pl- point! Okay, so You've yes, made his point yes for him. But Batman
0: was not popping planetary- up in the regular Planetary series. He wasn't a thing. It's not like there was a Bruce Wayne in Planetary World. They, the Wildstorm universe and the DC universe were still very separate. They crossed over for one book here and there and then went back to being They're separate. They're not separate anymore, baby. I know. And that's what I don't like. I don't need No, it they, sure. crossed, they, they crossed over for more than more than that. They crossed over for two books. Sure. Regardless, They crossed though. over for the
6: Batman and the JLA. They also, uh, there was also that one story in volume three, uh, what was it, uh, Might and Magic? Right. Which was the uh, analogs of the DC heroes also. And so, I well, mean, what, Wildstorm has a long precedent of having oh, yeah. versions of DC characters
0: in it. That's what the bleed was all about. So, I mean, there was also Godzilla. There was yeah. also Tarzan, you know, but that's what mm-hmm. that book was right. about. That was the secret history of the nerdy world and but, Warren Ellis investigating but you know, where all this yeah, came but, from. Matt,
4: like, this is not... This is not the real Oliver Queen. It's just a version of Oliver Queen. (laughs) That's
0: my problem. I don't need full-on named hardcore analogs of these characters. Why are you so caught up on that? Because I don't like it. Because we don't why are you, you okay it. with it? It muddies the water. Why are you, it doesn't muddy any waters.
4: Nobody thinks that that's the real Green Arrow, Matt. Nobody. I get it.
0: Why can't we just say it's some Archer guy that's doing this? Why does it have to be Green Arrow? Why does it have to be another yeah, damn be Green Nugent? Arrow? Why can't it be <laughs> Ted Nugent?
4: So if it was a Green Arrow homage and not actually Oliver Queen, you'd fine be fine with it? With it? Fine
0: with it. That's stupid. I want this stuff separate. That's I don't stupid. want it glued together. You're stupid. And it, every time they do yeah. smash it together, the, it gets closer and closer is- to shit I don't like. You're stupid.
6: Moving on. You can't do an an analog of an archery themed hero anymore without it being Green Arrow or Hawkeye. I mean, they've kind of just cornered the market on that. And I
0: get that. That's fine. Just don't make it the actual character. All right. This
6: makes this conversation makes me mad. JD, what else you got? (laughs) Uh, Answer to the question of the week. Um,
0: Comic book that scared you. I had
6: to think about it because I I had to think about it because I'm not really a horror guy. And uh, I mean, like, My favorite horror books are Hellboy, and I don't think they're scary. No, they're not I don't think anything in BPRD or Hellboy is scary. It's just more fun and creepy. Not necessarily scary. Creepy. Uh, Yeah. Right. But I did think of one book that I did read that was horrifying, and I actually recently saw a a small or a a short film adaptation of it on YouTube, and that was uh, the book uh, 24 Hours from Sandman. Oh, yeah. I don't remember the diner where. Uh, okay, yes. The doctor, Doctor Destiny. Yeah, the diner with Doctor Destiny yeah. and uh, and the and the and the Ruby. Yep. Yeah, that that
0: fucked my head. That was legitimately creepy. <laughs>
3: Long stuff. and hard. Yeah. Yeah,
6: yeah that, it was.
4: That's a that's a creepy comic. Yeah.
0: Ooh, that's a good answer, Jeff. And I,
6: and I recently, yeah, and I recently saw a thing Neil Gaiman talking about it, and he said that you know he wrote that really early in the Sandman and the sandman run. And he really kind of wrote that to draw a lion line in the sand saying, you know, no matter where this goes in the, you know, and, and issues to come, this will always be a book that will walk that line and can go that far.
0: Sure. So sure. That was it was kind of cool. That's a great answer. JD, thank you for your call. It's so so, it's good to talk to you, brother. No problem. All right. We'll see you later. Let's check it out. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Caller, who this? Yo, what's up, guys? It's nerd. What hey. up, nerd? How are you today, sir?
7: I'm doing pretty good. Hey, uh, I wanted to I wanted to answer the question of the week because when that went up, I was like, I a dark memory just like flew to the front of my brain. Oh, we love dark about memories. About how I was. Ter- <laughs> oh yeah, I was okay. So uh, I have to talk about how I was like chilled to the bone by an issue of What If. <laughs> okay now no here's the thing it's like because it's, it's like oh yeah like
0: real I, quick I saw, for those of you who forums, don't know like what if was a marvel elseworlds thing book where they would basically be like what if tony stark never became iron man but squirrel girl did or something like that you know
7: right 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 like stuff that you don't think of as scary right, right. but there's there's two instances of things that terrified me and maybe it was because they were Marvel characters that I just think of as being safe. Like, okay. the good guys win. Like, bad things rarely happen. But, like, a couple of them are legitimately freaky. The one that immediately came to mind was <laughs> from an issue of what if the members of the Fantastic Four all had the same power?
4: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember that issue. I don't and remember that so, one.
7: It was, it was a, a, there uh, were four
4: short stories.
7: Okay. And the one that got me, as you might expect, for the, for the Spookies was what if they all became monsters, <laughs> yeah. like the thing, and so the, so Ben just becomes the thing, and he's just like, hey, what's up? I'm, uh, he, like Ben Grimm got the good end of that
0: deal, right? In that scenario, like now right? yous jerks know what it's yeah. like to look like me, <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> Right, right, right. But the other members of the
7: Fantastic Four, like Reed, uh, becomes like an ape man and is is losing his intelligence rapidly, oh. which is like. Sad and kind of creep me out Ugh. But Sue turned into the man Thing oh, Like yeah. just she straight up Turned into the man thing What and it was a revolting development <laughs> Right oh, And like she's like catatonic They're trying to talk to her and she's not responding And I'm just like Like I don't know how old I was I was probably in like fifth or, you know, like, middle school And I was like that shit is creepy Yeah, um, yeah She was like, she like locked in <laughs> oh man um, so, so that that fucking freaked me out the other one is uh, what if uh, the heroes lost the evolutionary war oh I remember and, that one and in that one that's what if number one the, volume all of two. the human race the, the whole human race just turns into like telepathic trees they don't move <laughs> yeah everyone's like telepathically <laughs> yeah. linked, and their heads get all big and and the only people left on earth because all the all the mutants like evolve and like leave the planet and all the all humans turn into big egg-headed like telepathic trees basically and the only people are daredevil who's like not a mutant and not a normal person, and vision. And they just live out their sad, lonely lives on <laughs> a planet full of yeah. like, super
0: telepaths. <laughs> just talking about that time where the high evolutionary got super high and turned everybody into telepathic trees. Apparently, <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. I wish the high evolutionary was stoned all the time. That's why they call him the high evolutionary. Yeah. Is, Whoa, high got evolutionary. this idea, bro. Stay what, with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to evolve Mark, these Mark's monkeys. waiting until
7: I take Matt. There you go. Yeah, pitch it. You gotta save that. You gotta, you gotta save that pitch, Matt. I'm doing it. Uh, I'm doing it. The funny thing,
4: it's funny that you bring up what if because in the mid-90s, I w let's say 96, 97, okay. uh What If was still being published and they went through this kind of format change. Uh a while back they dropped the Watcher. They were like, Yeah, we're done having yeah. the Watcher narrate books. Mm-hmm. And then they decided. Uh, that What If was going to be a horror comic. Oh, yeah. And for not too long, not very long at all, because they got over it. Yeah, it was like three or four issues. Yeah, um, it was like What If, very scary. Yeah. in You know, it's quote-unquote scary. Um, mm. Comic stories, like, I remember one was um, What If the spider bite had turned Peter Parker into like a terrifying spider monster? It yeah, was like
0: man spider or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> not, not, a, not yeah. like a
4: fun loving guy with powers i was like nope terrifying monster he had
0: eight legs and he pooped out webs. uh one of gross. them was uh
4: <laughs> like saber tooth on like a murder spree of the x-man and yeah. it was like
0: jubilee on the run alone against saber tooth yeah it was like based on an issue where he like gutted psylocke but she stopped him like what yeah. if he killed her and then right. just proceeded to murder everybody else
4: because he he had been a prisoner in the mansion yeah uh yeah, he, none of this is important. Yeah, but regardless. I was just going to go on this X-Men history tour. <laughs> about, uh, yeah, uh, they thought he was catatonic kind of because uh, she psychic knifed him in his brain. Yeah. Turns out he was faking it and he got her.
7: Hey-oh. <laughs> um, well, that's, that's what I think is so weird about the, the other thing, though, because the, the premise of those books wasn't trying to be spooky, but they ended up...
0: Right, exactly. No, we well, like, but it was always kind of like
7: mental scars.
0: It was always kind of like, well, look, if Elektra didn't die, really terrible crap would happen. That's where they always and, went with it. Yeah. And it uh, was never like happy ending and right, Howard the Duck became president. Right. You
4: know? I, I, there are very <laughs> few what ifs that are like, you know what? This world's not so bad. Uh, we just
0: totally lost Kettner. I don't know what happened. Uh oh. He gone. He gone. Regardless, thank you for a call, Jim. Sorry, Jim. That I was fun. I don't know what happened, but yeah.
4: that was a great discussion. I love what if. He vanished.
0: I don't he know. vanished. <laughs> Guess who's back? Our buddy from across the pond, Stately Lord Fungus.
8: Hope everything worked out with that. Live dragon. from Mushroom Manor's Smoking East Turret, I am Stately Lord Fungus, author of the multi-award winning book, Drinking Alone. My struggle to not find Game of Thrones boring in a world obsessed. <laughs> At the end of season one, you might recall I had a spot of bother with Winston, the manor's dragon in residence. Well, 48 hours ago, he was a violent gator bastard, hell-bent on ripping my tonsils out of my arse. But with a little coaxing, the music of Bob Marley and some illegally imported unicorn sedative, we've managed to get him back in his cave (laughs) and he's sleeping like a giant red tool of destruction. That is good
5: news.
8: (laughs) So, the question of the week was, what comic scared you as a kid? Great question. The answer's easy. Alien, the illustrated story. Yeah. It was a graphic novel published by Heavy Metal magazine in June 1979. Uh, it was originally published in black and white. Uh, the story was written by Archie Goodwin, and it was based on the original screenplay by, I believe, Dan O'Bannon. And the illustri- it was illustrated and inked by Walt Simonson, of all people. Yeah. It was awesome. So, although I am legally required to say that in 1979 I was seven years old and in no way did a pirate copy of Alien find its way into our house on VHS, and what really did not happen was me watching it, and I can't honestly recall a time when someone who might or might not have been my dad brought me the illustrated story... Had any of this happened, then I'm sure the seven-year-old me would have read this and gone into some sort of fear-induced (laughs) bowel-loosening meltdown, the likes of which I've only experienced since while watching two clowns manually assist a midget and that time when I got my first credit card statement. Oh, my. (laughs) But, of course, none of this happened because I grew up on a rainbow surrounded by fluffy wuzzles and chocolatey scrummy bums. That's right. I forgot about that. Now... Contractually, Uncle Tarquin has asked me if I could mention, if he, if he, sorry, could mention a couple of the things he's been reading this week. Okay. I hope that's okay. I said he could in light of the aforementioned dragon issue. Sure, so sure. over to you, Tarquin, and take it away. Oh, boy. Characters. Hey, nerds. Tea fungus here. Every week I have listened to you this llama piece of shit talking <laughs> a stupid accent about some horse crap, dragons, and balloons or some such. Well, fudge that. I'm here to tell you two good for nothing nerds exactly what I've been reading this week. Dark Knight's Metal. Because it's metal. it's made out of metal. It's foil. It's on the cover. Foil's a type of metal. You understand? <laughs> Drown. Murder Machine. Forge Casting. Dawnbreaker. they all been incredible entries and why was already an incredible run since Rebirth? Shit, I bet my horse boots that we ain't seen the last of the alternative Batverse. Why? Because horse boots are metal. <laughs> All right, you two. I'm to put some Dorothy Lynch on my cheeseburger pizza, so you can have your little princess back. <laughs> yeah, thanks, talking. That was, real uh, was useful. <laughs> so, just before I go, it's time for the Queen's English segment. This week okay. the phrase is Oh bloomin' heck. Say it uh, with me, nerds. Oh, oh, oh bloomin' heck. It means, oh shit. Yeah. Or oh man, we're in trouble. Oh uh, yeah. Contextually you could say Oh, blooming that lad, that cat is not going anywhere without us. Until next time, I think I got that. (laughs) If you can fit it up your arse, then why shouldn't you wear it as a hat? Huh? Whoa. Not bad. That Tarquin, Uh, he's a real uh, hit.
4: Uncle Tarquin has a more (laughs) convincing southern accent than some American actors. It's
0: true. (laughs) He brings up a point, though Dark Knight's metal. God damn, that book has been great. I love it. I oh love my it so much. God. Yes. All right, we got a call coming in. Thank you for your call. Stay the Lord Fungus. Nice to hear from your hick dragon. It's his uncle, not his dragon. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who dis? It's Brian Domingos. Brian Domingos. What's happening? As usual, you're all business. What's going on? And I like it. I like it. <laughs> Listen, you got you to gotta announce yourself properly, right? That's right. It's like you come kicking through the saloon. It's Brian Domingos. I appreciate it. <laughs> I definitely do. What do you want to rap about, brother? Exactly, exactly.
9: <clears throat> well, a couple things. Um, the um, question of the week, um, I, don't, I don't really get scared by, you know, reading stuff that, that's kind of, you know, it's a spooky thing that doesn't really work too much for me. Although okay. some people have had some good answers today. Okay. Um, but there was, and I remember, I was trying to think of the first time I was like uncomfortable with what I read, right? Sure. And it was... Um, it was the Warren Ellis and Jason Burroughs book scars. They did it avatar. Oh yeah. sure, Yeah. yeah. So it's like a a cop and his daughter gets like kidnapped or murdered. And he, he knows who did it, but they get away with it. And he contemplates like how to basically how to get away with murder. And it's this really dark, realistic thing. And like Ellis, like research, like how to get away with killing someone. And it's like very visceral, but it's like imagining having like a kid and having to make this decision. And it's, it's just, it was one of the things, like, I'm sick to my stomach, but, like,
0: it's, it's a, it, you, could, you could feel the struggle. I'm trying to remember when that came out. That was a while ago. It was the early 2000s. It was, yeah. like, 2002, 2003. Six-issue series. Um, I'd I be mean, shocked Bur- if it's still in print. I would totally be shocked.
9: Yeah, you know, I was thinking, because I know... Rick Remender did a um, like a hardcover collection of old stuff, and I don't know why Ellis hasn't done that at like Image, like taking all that Avatar stuff and just throwing it in a hardcover.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure he owns it at that time. Avatar was still very right. much creator owned, and they could just basically pitch whatever gross idea they had. So I don't know. I maybe Warren Ellis doesn't care.
9: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I, that 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 sounds about right. I don't think he cares either. Well, because
4: I mean, he also had that long running. Um, He's some sort of magician. He's like a cop magician.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't tell. It was, it. It
4: was like Strange Kisses was the first
0: one. He had a white flat top. Um, gravel. Gravel. That was it, uh, which was his last name. Yeah. Yep. It was like John Gravel. Or that book he, was... It was disgusting, a disgusting book. I really liked kisses it. Stranger Kisses. Yeah, I really liked Gravel. I thought it was cool. It well, was, I mean, it, maybe
4: when it became Gravel and it was like a, a, an ongoing series, it was a little different, but I yeah. do remember. Oh, it
0: wasn't much different.
4: I remember those original <laughs> Strange Kiss books being like real oh, yeah.
0: out there. Yeah, it was gross. Sexy Time, gross. Ugh.
9: Yuck.
0: Yuck, a Rooney. People getting pregnant with lizards, gross. Yeah, it was. Ugh. Yeah.
9: Um, Old men being pregnant with lizards, gross. It yeah. was. Uh, <laughs> it yeah, happens, it was, and 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 it and it didn't happen behind a curtain. It was like there is his there is his birth hole. Yeah. It was horrible. Yep, look uh, at this. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, we've all so been there. That's Am I right? I, <laughs> who hasn't seen that? And it was, as an orderly, sure. Other things, real quick there was a, an interview with on a bunch of podcasts on slate, uh, not to advertise for competitors, but they did, they interviewed like Tom King and David Finch. Um, and like the entire Batman creative team. I don't know if you guys saw that was on the working podcast.
0: No, I didn't. I'll have to check that out.
9: Um, did you post that on the fan group? Somebody did. Was that you? I didn't, I didn't maybe that's, I mean, I I saw it somewhere. I don't know if that's where I saw it, but, um, I listened to the half of the Tom King one today and he, um, it's good. I mean, you learn about his background and, but they do like Geordie Belair and, Oh, and cool. they get into all that stuff like later on. I will definitely so, um, give that a listen. It's like six
0: hours worth of listening. And Slate's um, not a competitor. So we good. blow is, uh... Slate away. Give me a break. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, right. <laughs> Tiny little boutique being, podcaster. I was, ni- I was being nice to
9: Slate, I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the last thing is, I, I don't know if you guys um, read this week, but the, the DC um, horror book, did you read that this week?
0: I, I did not. I did not. I assumed it was just going to be schlock, but it got pretty good reviews. Um, I don't know who yeah. reviewed it.
9: But, um, it is um abominable oh really and and you know me it it was one of the like it's all these like horror writers with like good artists like you know there's scott collins and like like howard porter does like lovely art of one of the worst superman comics i've ever read in my life (laughs) um it's and it's the sort of thing where like i like matt i would Pause the show and go read it and then put in a five minute review because it's like that. I was like, oh my God, man, really? everything about this. Maybe um, I will.
0: It's yeah. really, no, no, really, no, we're not doing that. It was on some like Save best shots it, and crap like that. Like, I mean, now it that's was just
4: uh, the name of their review column. That doesn't mean it's good. You got to go read it. Oh no, I got that. I get
0: that. But they gave it a good review. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Oh Newsram- my God. It, I don't, not that I, I, I trust anything. Newsarama, but.
9: I was I was flipping through it on my iPad and my wife's like, "What is that?" I was like, "I don't even want to talk about it." It is like, <laughs> uh, like it's it's like, and it. you know, I'm I'm a pretty big DC apologist, and I was like, "Guys, this was ill conceived. This entire
0: thing is like embarrassing." Well, when and, was the last I mean, time we got you have a problem with good DC Halloween special? I mean, really, they do one every year. Oh, and they're always dumb. Well, will see. The, well, the problem is that those are usually like drawn by some guy or some you know
9: lady like they're just they're no you know you got a bunch of like kind of like jobbers warmers yeah. right exactly it. yeah jobbers yeah, yeah the jobbers so you're like they had to put out a seasonal book i i kind of i don't give it that much weight because it's like they're looking for their break and i get that and sure. they're usually fine this is like a or b list artists with like the worst scripts oh that man is, um so they just yeah, they I, just go, flipped go it. find it okay they
6: flipped it so bad. now i it's have like, to check
9: it out it's it's <laughs> and i mean you know me i'm i'm dc 100% and i was like guys this is not a good idea this is if if you don't like like the darkness of the uh the cinematic universe um this is definitely not for you so the you were like oh Eck, and and- this is terrible
6: oh <laughs> Eck. Oh.
9: Exactly. Exactly. Was that that Texan guy who called in with his, uh, his accent? accent? Uh, that um, no, that was, uh, was his uncle. That yeah, was...
0: that's our that's our British vocab. Uncle for Tarkin the... is oh. apparently from somewhere near Mississippi. No, possibly I think it's just via the, Texas. I
4: just think it's the south <laughs> of of England. We'll south call
0: England. it Texarkana. I don't know. <laughs>
9: he's a, he's an okay, ex-pat. A, a southern southern England. All right. Yes. Yeah, down by down by France. I get it. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. Exactly. Ryan, um, thank you for the to...
0: call. I will check out this abomination. yo
4: write a written review on the site for Yeah, us.
0: Yeah, yeah. I will check out this abomination and I will cut it to pieces.
9: <laughs> Re- review it next week. It, oh my God. G- yeah, good luck. Okay. Oh, good
0: luck.
4: Before, okay, good before, before Brian hangs up, uh, JD got to catch them all says in the chat, Scars is available on Comixology for 10 bucks.
0: There you go. All right. If you want to read something disturbing, there it is. Thank you for your call, Brian. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Have a good one, guys. Bye. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who dis? Hey, nerds. This is BS3. What's shaking? BS3, we've got your question. Shaking right now. It's scaring the hell out of people.
2: <laughs> well, I'm afraid my answer for the question isn't too scary. Cause I started reading when I was real young. So, um, in, in the thing, he, he lived on a doom world or I guess it's battle world now. Okay, uh, battle um, world. Um, yeah. Post, post yeah. Post secret wars battle van. And there was this one, <laughs> <laughs> there, there was one issue issue 19 and on the cover. There's like a, a grim reaper driving a, a stagecoach. And the whole issue is Ben Grimm going through this haunted castle where he fights Dracula and he fights a mummy and he (laughs) fights a a Frankenstein's monster and stuff. And, uh, it's, it's super cheesy now, but it it creeped me out. Uh, Um, I mean, the, 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 the skeleton stagecoast guy definitely like that, that's the vivid image that stuck with me, but the real deal answer, the thing that that gave me nightmares and that kept me up late, well, wasn't from a comic book issue. It was from a big reference book about comic books. Oh yeah. I, I wish I could remember this thing. Do you remember, do you remember this huge oversized reference book on the history of comic books? The thing was like, I, I don't know. It was like a, a two feet tall or something like that. It was just really gigantic. Well, they, they had this one section that was on um, the introduction of the comics codes. And it fixed it, it. It fixed this analysis on uh, violence and horror. So it had all these graphic death scenes and stuff. It had EC um, uh, kind of creeps, but, but there was also this like uh, uh, manga sort of thing where I, I remember a hook going into somebody's tongue and pulling it out and stuff. Whoa! Yeah, that, that's, that's the... That was that was the stuff of nightmares for me. With so one like, page of why this is the of sort of thing, the thing that thing would get code. rejected right, by right. the comics
0: code. Like, the following are a list of words we will not be saying on this show. You know, <laughs> fart monkey, frig. You know, like yeah, <laughs> just going down the list. Man, we say fart monkey and frig yeah, it, all the times. We don't friggin' care. It, fart monkey. That. We don't give a
4: darn. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. Uh, I think I I think I know those big... Um, was it like the Jim Steranko History of Comics volumes, maybe? Those are pretty huge.
0: Yeah, those were really big. They were oversized. And they were yeah. definitely one that was all about the is comics it, code. But it was like I, a I know, chronological is,
5: history
4: of
0: comics. Yeah. It was one where they examined like... This was like... This was all the stuff that was really scary that got them in trouble. And this is what we got out of that, which was like Superman forcing Jimmy Olsen to marry a gorilla because he's the medicine man of the racist, you
5: know, tribe.
0: <laughs> oh <laughs> no. Jesus. Pardon me, it wasn't any gorilla. It was <laughs> female King Kong, if I ever oh,
2: King Kong, right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This, which this, this reference book was really
2: nuts it was mostly like golden age history and stuff and analysis so it wasn't the 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 Stranko stuff and i wish i could find the title of it i just can't find uh existing anywhere but it's kind of like my my comic bible when i was a little kid even though it introduced some nightmares
0: to me (laughs) (laughs) all the best ones do (laughs) 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 yeah
2: it's a great question that's my only answer i love yeah i i I became an ec comics fan for for years and years um, not not long after that and so it's really odd that the thing that scared scared me initially was just this this dumb spread where you know John Byrne has the thing fighting Dracula the Mummy and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Frankenstein, but so that was a Marvel it, two in one. Is me. that what that no, was? It was? The thing. Oh, it was just the, the, thing.
4: Yeah,
2: it was no. the thing. okay, the thing. Wow. Issue nineteen. In issue twenty one is actually kind of terrifying in its own right because in issue uh, I'm not spoiling anything. This is thirty plus <laughs> years old now, but it, in issue uh, twenty one, like the Doom World just starts to disappear around them, including. You know the the, the one woman in his life is gone. He's all alone on the world, and this, you know, that's that's his own level it's of more uh, of an
4: existential kind of uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> man versus the universe, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, much much different than than the 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 classic Hollywood monster take. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, that, that's it for me. I'll I'll open it up to everybody else, though. Uh,
0: good to hear from you, fellas. All right. Yeah. All right, buddy. You have a good day.
4: Let's uh, let's let's go to Jimmy Randall. Let's go to Jimmy Randall.
0: He recorded this on the fly. No editing or fart noises. Oh, come on, man. Come on. We expect certain things G'day, from you.
10: Nerds. It's Jimmy here. So, question. What was the first comic to truly scare you as a kid? Now, I, I love these sorts of questions, so I had to send in my answer. You know, the questions that make you really think and reminisce back to your childhood and the impact that uh, comics have had on you growing up and all that. So, with that in mind, let's go back to 1989. I walked into my local newsagent... Yeah, I didn't have a comic shop, but I uh, head to, straight to the comic section of the news agency. What I saw it stopped me in my little tracks... It was a cover showing Wolverine crucified on a giant X. Hell yeah. Now, I honestly still remember the hair standing up on the back of my little sunburned neck. It was Uncanny X-Men number 251. It's a series I was aware of, wasn't reading regularly, um, but that changed a bit after that day. Read it for a bit. I was pleasantly surprised to see that the story took place in Australia. It's the first time I'd seen my motherland in a mainstream comic series, so I did pick it up for that's a bit. Right.
0: That's right. So the story
10: wasn't that scary, but it was the cover that's always stuck with me. Wolvie on a cross. Now, bit of backstory. I I didn't grow up in a particularly religious household, but my grandparents' house was full of terrifying religious iconography. Uh, so when I stayed over at their place, there was a really disturbing crucifix in the room. I stayed in a massive Jesus on the cross with realistic eyes, you guys. They followed you around Gross, the room. Oh, no. There was one in the dining room. It was a bit different. had a judgmental ah, scowl no. on his face. Um, but it was also really super gory and bloody, like lots of blood coming out of the eyes and all that. Um, put me right off my dinner, no appetite at all. So you try going to bed hungry in a room where a giant sad Jesus is staring straight into your soul. <laughs> So, of course, when I first laid eyes on Uncanny X-Men number 251, I was instantly filled with a sense of sleep-deprived, empty-stomached dread. It's always going to stick with me how heavily shaded it was. Mark Silvestri, he nailed it here. The skulls in the foreground, perfectly placed. You always notice them after taking in the primary image of Wolvie splayed out. So, yeah, that's the other thing. Years later, watching Game of Thrones, seeing the breaking of Theon on the same freaking style of cross, made the whole storyline a million times worse for me. Whoa. No, that's, that's the other thing. It was the first time I'd ever seen a crucifixion where the legs are opened up, so your bits are totally unprotected. <laughs> being nailed to a cross is one thing, but your special place being open for the world to see is another yeah, story. Anybody can just walk up there and So we and got punch Wolverine, <laughs> one of the comic's greatest ever tough guys, not only crucified but... Put in a pretty compromising position. I get the use of the X, you know, it's an X-Men book, but yeah, that's it. The cover to Uncanny X-Men 251 is scary, scary shit. Jimmy
0: out. See, we'll help you, Jim. It's all right. We're here for you. Um, there was a scary story. The Reavers had chased the X-Men all the way to friggin' Australia. They were killing Morlocks left and right. I remember reading that when I was a kid and, and thinking. This is really violent? You're mixing
4: your your evil villain teams. The Reavers did not kill the Morlocks. Oh, this Those was, was
0: the Marauders. It was the Marauders. This was right after... The, the Reavers were the Cyborgs. Yes. Get on your mic, please. The Reavers were the Cyborgs. There you go. No, that's right. I totally forgot. This was right after the Mutant Massacre, right? Mutant Massacre was the Morlocks. Right. So, Follow the
4: Mutants, maybe, is what you're thinking of. I think you're right. Um, because Follow the Mutants is uh where afterwards the x-men were presumed dead and that's when they went to go live in australia
0: yeah and we met uh gateway gateway yeah yeah who we haven't seen much from since then is he dead he died on m day no no he's around
4: i mean he was around his grandkid or whatever was in the avengers
0: yeah briefly manifold manifold what a terrible name yeah manifold. i
4: mean maybe it's and just, i'm screwdriver i mean it
0: must mean something and we're just too dumb to <laughs> yeah, know quite possibly
4: um but yeah he was in secret warriors and the avengers he was all up and down jonathan hickman stuff
0: that's true uh that was that, a scary story man, line though. uh
4: jimmy kudos to you for like uh, working out some yeah deep-seated
0: he brought a full circle childhood traumas he brought it full circle
4: uh man Religion can be scary
0: Yeah man Spooky Jesus with eyes to follow you Screw all that Alright let's see what Harvey Locust has got for us He's a sick twisted weirdo I bet something scared the hell out of him
3: Hey nerds Codename the Locust here Primary military specialty (laughs) Supply chain sabotage Secondary military specialty Scorched earth policy enforcer Whoa And I'm here to answer the last three weeks questions of the week Oh okay One down, two to go so my next one is a class. I'd like you to open up your Captain Britain textbook and turn to page 122. There you will see um, a splash page of Megan emerging as her full self. Um, if I am sober enough and awake enough in the morning while this is being broadcast, I'll post it in the comments.
0: Alan Davis, right?
3: Next question was, Maybe oh, elegance. the horror thing. Um, I don't really have a scary one, but I do have a recommendation for a one-shot horror issue. If you are looking for one, check out Night of the Living Dead, Just a Girl by Avatar Press. Uh, I believe it came out in 90... No, that's not right. Where did it go? This is it a Gwen Stefani Any mashup? Is 2006? that what it was? It's a... Um,
4: yeah, it's no doubt he gets
3: chased by the zombies. Co-creator <laughs> of Night of the Living Dead. And I lost the page, of course. This is this is gripping um, radio, Harvey. <laughs> yeah, so anyway. It's uh, the story of Night of the Living Dead, the original movie told by told from the perspective of the asshole and his wife's daughter, who is you know, they show up and she's already bitten, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. She's a zombie. Yeah. Okay. Um, so a question for you guys. Um, I am currently, why I'm not gonna, also going to be calling in is I have going to be getting a new computer here soon. I'm looking for a new setup. I really like what you guys are doing here. I really want to get back into podcasting. Okay. Can you give us a quick tour of your setup? What are you using to mix? What are you? What are your mics? You know, a follow, kind of a follow up to last week's question about how uh, you know how 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 much hard work you guys put into it. Sure. All right, guys, take it easy. Right you here. know,
0: what? I'll do you better than giving you a tour on the radio because it's not much fun. I will make a little video tour of our setup and just go through everything that I use to do this show. And I will put it in the forums. I'll put a link to it there and you can check it out and we can discuss it. And I'd love to hear from you guys, the podcast, what you use and stuff. We'll just throw it up there in the general chit chat or friendly chit chat section. How, how Matt podcasts. It'll be awesome. So you're not gonna answer Harvey's question then? Is I'm, what gonna, you're I'm gonna give him more than an answer on the radio because there's, I mean, you kind of have to go into it. There's some nuts and bolts. He's
4: and got a fancy Mac, Harvey. <laughs> He's got a soundboard. He's got this thing, whatever it right, is. Let's find out what the hell. He's Marcus got a
0: laptop. Was talking about earlier. He's got.
4: We got lots of bits and
0: bits. Yeah. Um. Real quick, bits, Patrick. Bits and dongles. Bits and dongles. Lots of dongles. I think that's the name of the show this week. Bits and dongles.
4: Uh, Patrick. Oh, our friend Patrick in the chat says that he always thought that manifold. Was a play on words meant like many fold as the like because his power is to bend space and time to fold space and time okay but
0: i gotta answer this call thank you for calling thm cover to cover caller who this
4: real quick caller wait one second uh you don't have to wait i here. looked up I, I looked up manifold on on google and uh a manifold is a pipe or chamber branching into several openings okay so yeah it's like it's there you did. go
0: he's gateway Caller who this. Hey boys, this is Kyle Fox. Hi Kyle Fox, how are you, sir? Doing pretty good. And how now you, you know
11: what a manifold is, there Kyle. You You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Thank <laughs> what, you, Joe.
0: What did you want to wrap about today, Kyle? Um, I was calling about Stranger
4: Things. Okay. Hey. Uh, so no spoilers. So, no spoilers. Mad has not seen it and yet, no
0: and it's still very fresh, but how do you feel? You're are you how far are in are you?
11: I'm I'm one episode in.
0: Okay. Okay, uh, I'm only so, two episodes in. Yeah.
11: And how do we yeah, feel? Yeah, so, so I, I didn't binge it. I feel pretty good. Um, we were pretty late getting into Stranger <laughs> Things, so we recently binged the first season maybe like a month ago. And that's right when they, the buzz for season two was coming out, and we watched the trailers. And I feel like as I was watching the trailers, like I, I just wanted to stop watching because I feel they like give away way too much. I, mean, I, I think that's a...
0: I heard this criticism,
11: definitely. Uh, yeah, I think that's a common issue with most trailers that's why i try to avoid the trailers i just kind of see like what the reviews are get a little bit of taste of uh you know what what i think i'm gonna like and then and i go for it. i try to avoid most trailers but um but i i'm really into uh the the first episode so far i think they've laid a good groundwork introducing new characters um and i'm really into it
4: so the thing that i'm I am enjoying so far the, the dynamic between the characters is that there's this um they didn't just like go back to normal, right? right. They didn't just go back to their normal lives. Yeah, They're like, like oh well, it's lunchtime. You know. <laughs> they've got this kind of shared dynamic as a, a group of people that have gone through a severe, sure, terrifying trauma. Yeah. Uh and their lives yeah. are not great. Their life for the most part, their lives are not okay. Um, Which they shouldn't be. Like, they're doing very well, you know, putting on a brave face in in many cases. Uh, Some characters have tried to move on. Uh, But, uh, like, for the most part, like, a lot of them are just really, really still fucked up.
0: Good. Uh, And I think that's really interesting. It would be ridiculous if they were I mean, this isn't like Stand By Me where they found a dead body. Right, yeah, no. (laughs) Uh,
4: And, um, yeah, I I just think it's a, a cool place for the characters to be at the start of this story. Good. Um, and again, without spoiling, uh, this might just be a slight, slight spoil. Okay, let's
0: think about it before we piss anybody off. I'm
4: not going to say anything. I'm just happy that like, there are things that happen in season one that a lot of people, um, you know, uh, in some part jokingly, in some part seriously, we like really wrapped up about that didn't get resolved or didn't get addressed okay, at the end. You're spoiling
0: something. Cause I know exactly where you're going.
4: I'm just saying it's things have not been forgotten. If you think that things got glossed over at, right, in season right. one,
0: it did not get forgotten. All right. So, so we feel good, Kyle, you feel good. We're in a good place with it.
11: I'm going to be happy. I, I feel, I feel really good. Yeah. Good. And on a, on a side note to that. So I know like, um, these eighties themes are kind of coming up. Uh you mentioned uh the adventure zone a few times. I started listening to that and D and D. I've never played D and D before. Stranger oh. Things had D and D in it. Yeah. And uh I recently I just don't know where to start. So I recently uh signed up our local children's hospital is having a tabletop day for to raise a fund as a fundraiser. And so cool. I signed up for my first D and D campaign. Oh, awesome! Uh, hey, that's awesome. Help raise the money for, uh, for this, uh, local children's hospital and maybe get my feet wet and maybe start a new, uh, a new fun little thing. That's totally rad.
4: Like, you know, I was never a D and D kid growing up, Kyle. Uh, and I just, uh, my buddies talked me into it one day, uh, occasional guest host, Dave DeMarco, our friend, Patrick, who's uh, a frequent contributor to the show. Uh, our friend, Matt Lockwood, we started a small group. Yeah. Uh, Matt Lockwood's ex-wife, uh, and we gamed a few times together, and it was great fun. Yeah. And m- one of my biggest gaming regrets is that we had one, exactly one session of this kick-ass story about this ha- mysterious house uh, that we wandered into, uh, and we, there was this big mystery about this house, what's going on in this house. And uh, it was years ago, so I'm struggling to remember.
0: Okay. Um, Can you remember the short version?
4: But, like, <laughs> it, it was this house that didn't belong, right? Something was wrong with this house. Uh, and we were like, okay, well, we leave. We turn like we turn around and walk away from the house, and you're, it's like you're doing it wrong. The town is gone. You're doing it like, wrong. It was just like it was some real Beetlejuice shit, right? Yeah, like yeah. you tried to leave the house and there's sandworms.
0: Yeah, and your dungeon master is gently trying to get you to go into the damn no, I, house. Like
4: I get it, but <laughs> like, like come on, <laughs> I get it. It was just like uh, it, it was such a fun experience, like the the storytelling and the like collaborative. Uh, way the story builds. That's
0: the beauty of it. You're uh, going to love it, man.
4: D&D is yep. great fun. Yep.
0: And D&D is cool again all of a sudden. Like, it, yeah. Not that it was ever cool. Because of strangers. But like, it, it's had this <laughs> renaissance where you can come out of the closet and be like, yes, I play Dungeons and Dragons. And people are like, oh man, that's awesome. I used to play. I'd love to do it again or something like that. Yeah, and, yeah it's awesome. I'm on a real play show with uh, Wooly Toots, uh, occasional guest host, and it's fun as hell. We're still piecing together how it's going to work, but I hope you love it, man. You're going to have a good time.
11: All right. Sounds good. Awesome. Hey, have a good day,
0: boys. Thanks for your call, Thanks, Kyle. Kyle. Good to talk to you. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Heady Nerd, James Kaplan. Smarter nuts us for sure. Hey,
1: things. Joe and Matt. James Kaplan here with an answer to the question of the week on what was the first comic that really scared me. So it's not, I'm guessing, a typical answer you might get. It wasn't a horror comic. Uh, I was 10 years old. It was the summer of 1986, and the comic was... Strike Force Morituri. (laughs) And if you remember the premise of the comic, uh, aliens attack Earth. Humanity is struggling to come up with a way to respond. And um, so somebody develops superpowers and or the, the ability to give people superpowers. They give people superpowers, only they it is a certainty that they will die within a year of getting those superpowers. And so I had actually lost my grandmother not that many months before, and there was another relative, I think, who had died. So I kind of had death on the brain. And so there was something that just, in reading this comic, that just sort of fundamentally scared me. Like, I already felt like I was dealing with, you know, I was more aware of death, I was dealing with death. And um, this comic came along, and the idea was that like there are these heroes, you might enjoy them, you might get attached to them, and it is a virtual certainty that they will die within a year. So, and there was something somehow about <laughs> I guess the impermanence of these heroes that really stuck with me and affected me and kind of scared me on not a frightened kind of way, but more like a, I guess, deep existential fear of death. Uh, awareness of the fleeting nature of life kind of way anyway so th- that is in fact the first comic that ever really scared me
0: it was dark Strikeforce force moratorium was dark yeah definitely and we reviewed it a while ago we
4: reviewed uh marvel came out with collected editions of the complete series and we reviewed the first volume on the show many years ago Yeah, and loved it. I loved that book. Yeah. I, think I mean, it was, it was dated
0: and a little bit ridiculous in some of the costuming and stuff like that. But well, it was I a mean, wonderful book.
4: I mean, it was what it was. Like, every comic that from 30 years ago is dated. Well, sure. But, yeah, I, I love it. It's great. Strikeforce Mortuary. And, yeah, you're right. The idea that, like, you get into this story with these characters and in 12 issues or give or take, uh, it's not going to be the same cast.
0: It was super dark. Yeah. That's yeah. a great answer, James. Good answer. Let's go to our final call. It's from Marcus. I called him earlier to ask him some questions, and uh, Joe Patrick gave him a weird answer, so let's see if it makes any sense. I
4: gave Marcus his answer off the air. <laughs> hey,
7: this
0: is Marcus. All right, What's your favorite uh, home story?
7: And if you had to dress up in a sexy costume, what would it be and why?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Favorite home story? Favorite Halloween story. Halloween story. Okay. Batman The Long Halloween. Yeah, for sure. Without a doubt. Yeah. I'd Number have to one agree. with a bullet, man. I'd have to agree. Oh yeah.
4: Um, and really, it's it's not a Halloween
0: story. It's a no.
4: But yeah, it, it's not just a Halloween story. But, but it, it
0: comes full circle. Yeah,
4: I do love Batman: The Long Halloween, and that's probably my answer. Um, all of those and the specials that they did for like the three years previous. Uh, yeah. Jeff Lobe and Tim Sale. Yeah. Um, one was a play on the Christmas Carol. Um. They're just they're so good. Uh, That those stories that came out prior to the Long Halloween are collected in a separate trade called Batman Haunted Night.
0: Yeah, so good. Uh, Highly recommended. So good. Uh,
4: As to Marcus's second question, my sexy costume is sexy bouncing boy.
0: Sexy bouncing boy.
4: Because I'm just working with what I got.
0: Okay, I'm gonna cross dress, and I'm going to be original Betsy Braddock Psylocke in the ridiculous flowy pink costume <laughs> with the long blue hair. Purple, purple hair. <laughs> oh, yeah, purple purple with blue highlights, yeah. Oh, she was so hot. I loved her so much. I hate Ninja Psylocke. I don't like her. I don't give a crap. I like old school, prim and proper British Betsy. <laughs> wow. Well, I'd pay
4: money to see and that I would God
0: look cool. great. I'm not shaving my beard, though.
4: Yeah, no, no. You know, I would be you, bearded Betsy. Yeah, you can't shave your beard. So there you go. <laughs> Do you have an answer to the question of the week? I
0: absolutely do. Hit it. I can't believe how many, called it, how many people called in that were not scared by horror comics. What was wrong with you kids? I was reading a terrifying horror comic way back in the day. This would have been Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. And I remember every week reading Swamp Thing and just going, thinking, I can't believe stuff like this is happening in comics. As a kid, it was terrifying shit. John Totleben was drawing it. At the time, this would be Swamp Thing, volume two, number 38 and number 39. It was a two-part story about vampires in, like, (sighs) Louisiana, you know, in the swamp, right? So these were not your Anne Rice, sexy, frilly, clothes-wearing vampires that spoke in poetry. These were, (laughs) you know, (laughs) clothes-wearing, disgusting, hick vampires. Specifically, like, the main mother vampire was this gigantic, fat thing with crazy hair and she was bright orange and all the other vampires like huddled up to her body and like, Oh, it was so gross. But there was one panel in particular and it start, it kind of started the story off where these kids are going swimming in the swamp, and they're all, they're all going in, they're dunking each other play and playing, whatever, and they get out, like, all right, we gotta go home, because Ma's got dinner on the table, whatever, and this one kid is still in the water, and they're like, we'll call him Ricky, because I can't think, we'll call him Billy Blue Jeans, because I can't think of his name, <laughs> and they're like, Billy, Billy Blue Jeans, what are you doing, we're gonna get in trouble, let's go, and the kid's just sitting in the water, staring at them, and they're like, Billy, what are you doing? Quit screwing around, and the kid's face is just dead, absolutely stark, and then you turn the page, and you see the view from under the water looking up and there's three vampires sucking on this kid's leg, on his thigh, on it. like, And he's just motionless, letting it happen as they're draining him and his friends can't see it. Like, ooh, oh, this is awful. It was so creepy. It still gets me to this day. Yeah. And he was like. Comic books are fundamentally a bad place for jump scares. It just doesn't work, you right. know. So you've got to be really good if you're going to scare somebody. And I would argue Alan Moore's Swamp Thing had some of the scariest comic book storytelling ever. You it know, was I, so gross.
4: I, I kind of, I'm kind of in the same boat as Brian Domingos. Like, it's difficult for me to be scared by comics. Sure. Um, just because, like you said, you see everything coming. Uh, it, it's You know, comics can be tense, they can be thrilling, but scary, it's tough. Eh. Um, And also, most of the horror comics I read, I read it as an adult, not as a kid. Right. So, again, a different situation. Um, I get more scared reading prose, where it's all in my head. Of course. Than I do where there's like the uh, Dave Gibbons has drawn
0: a monster. It's very difficult.
4: Yeah. Um, Which brings me to my answer, strangely enough. I didn't mean to invoke Dave Gibbons there, but when I was a kid- My aunt uh, used to take me to uh, thrift stores and like little bookshops and wherever around South Omaha. Sure. And um, there's a place on 50th and uh, 50th and L where Ground Zero is now. Okay. Back in the day, it was not there, and this was in the early 80s. So Ground Zero, that location, may not have even been there. Okay. Um, But there was like a little bookshop that had a spinner act there, and I remember getting some comics. Um, and I was too young even to really remember what they were, um, like what the titles were specifically, but I remember like thinking back on them as I aged, I know that there was something Luke Cage related where he fought a, um, um, it was an issue of Luke Cage where he fought a gangster named Mr. Fish. Nobody laughs at Mr. Fish and it's literally a gangster with a fish face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very scary. Uh, no. <laughs> well, I would have been like, I mean, Luke Cage, Matt. I would have been like two. I get it, right? Like, come on. Um, also, there was a Morbius comic that I remember got taken away from me uh, because there was all like uh, something about the forces of Satan or whatever. In my, I was like, nope. <laughs> uh, I was specifically remember being very frightened of a comic. It was a Doctor Who comic that Marvel put out in 1981. Doctor Who. 1981. Uh, so when this comic came out in February of 1981, I would have been two years old.
0: Okay. Uh, you so reading this stuff when you were two? Yeah. No way. Yeah. Oh, were you were like some little freaky genius kid? Two year olds are morons.
4: Yeah, kind of.
0: <laughs> it was. Kind oh of. please.
4: I'm I'm not, I'm not like bragging. I'm telling you. I'm not buying this.
0: You were 19. If my oh, math's correct, you were 19. I would have
4: been 19 years old. <laughs> um. Anyway. I didn't really know anything about Doctor Who. And it's also it's possible that I read this when I was a little older. Yeah. Um no. Stop saying it that way. I was reading at two. That's a fact. I'm so sorry that I. you don't
0: like it. But I wasn't like reading and like getting scared of and understanding nuances in comics. I didn't two. say I understood the nuances or anything. I said I was scared of it. Whatever.
4: What is wrong with like, you? Oh, the pokey
0: puppy scaring the shit out of me! No,
4: no, <laughs> this was a, this was a Doctor Who comic, and I didn't know what it was until years later when I looked it up. It's an it, actually an issue of Marvel Premiere. It's Marvel Premiere number fifty eight, which was a Doctor Who story, written by uh, Pat Mills and John Wagner, drawn by Dave Gibbons, with a cover by Frank Miller. And it's got this really creepy looking purple winged creature like a demon hauling doctor who away and saying that he's going to eat him. What issue is this? Uh Marvel, Marvel Premier. Premiere 58. And obviously I I know what doctor who is now right. and I know that I recognize this as the Tom Baker Doctor Who um uh, probably the most bop, the most popular Doctor Who ever and uh, I was just really scared of what was what the visuals were in that comic, <laughs> because the the demon was always like cast in shadow. He was very creepy looking. All I knew of Doctor Who was what I saw on public television on my tiny black and right. white TV with the creepy theme song and the cheesy and the and the weird monsters and creatures. Right. At a very young shot age, shot on if one you don't,
0: soundstage back then. Yes, but
4: like if you don't know if you don't know what that is when oh, you're sure. seeing it, and yeah. you hear the, the the music is very creepy. It sounds scary. Um, and and then to see that comic, like I didn't know Doctor Who then, and that mem- memory stuck with me <laughs> until when I finally realized, I realized as an adult, I was like, what the fuck? That comic that scared me as a kid was Doctor Who. <laughs> it was Tom Baker's Doctor Who, and I went and looked it up.
0: I love that none of you guys were scared by legitimately scary stuff.
4: I didn't read horror comics as a kid. I didn't I read them as an adult. And
0: you were a big horror baby. That's why.
4: You no, scared. that's not it. Yeah. Like I've read all kinds of horror
0: comics. You were scared.
4: We've been over this, Matt. <laughs> I was limited to what they carried at the quick shop. Oh, please. They didn't carry Alan Moore's Swamp Thing on the spinner rag at the quick shop on forty eighth and Q. I'm and in sorry. Fact,
0: I didn't get I got my Swamp Thing comics later on. I can't remember where I got them. I, I wanna say it was maybe when I convinced my father to take me to uh Star Realm or something down on 72nd Street, a wonderful comic shop that's lost to the ages. I loved that place. Look at
4: that, man. That's creepy. I he was just looking at it. Whatever. Look, he's and like, it, come
0: along, doctor. I've never eaten a Time Lord before. Well, we don't
4: know. <laughs> and and like, it's super detailed and gross, so he's covered in no, like weird sores and it's shit. It's a
0: great Frank Miller cover. I'll yeah. give you that. Guys, thanks to everybody that called in today. That was a lot of fun. We all got scared together. Some of us were scared by legitimately scary things. Other of us were scared by Doctor Who. What can you do? Oh, you know? will you shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but you can play along with us every week. So thank you to everyone. We'll be back next weekend. Joe and I are going to finish the show proper right now. But before we go, let's tell them about our new question of the week.
4: The new question of the week comes from Brian Domingos. You may have heard from him earlier in the show. Yes. This came via the THN forums. Brian asks... And it's a tricky one. What is your favorite creator-owned book from a mainstream creator that is not from the big two? And when he says the big two, he includes Vertigo and Icon, which means no preacher, no
0: transmit, no scalped. Gotcha. We want to hear from you next week right here for now. Have a happy Halloween. Be safe and uh, have fun. Don't eat any razor blades. Don't talk to anybody. If you see something, say everything. You know, all that crap. Excelsior! That is it for THN 466, the spooktacular for Halloween, y'all. If you dig comic podcasts that aren't allowed to use scary metal anymore for fear of being sued, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app.
4: If you dig comic podcasts that don't want to be buried in no pet cemetery.
0: <laughs> I like that, too.
4: THN is a listener-supported podcast, and we just want to send a spooky Halloween-themed thank you to everyone that supports us on PayPal and Patreon. Without you nerds, we can't afford Swedish Fish, Necco Wafers, and Cough Drops to hand out to the trick-or-treating Moloids. Yeah,
0: we're that family. <laughs> Before we go... Here's a
4: tiny notebook. Are we- <laughs>
0: Where <laughs> we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Soundtrack Alley and Gen 13 Files host, Randrew Andrews, <laughs> who celebrated his 40th birthday on Friday. Word to you, Randy, you old piece of garbage. Jesus, it's all downhill from here, buddy. Yeah, get ready. It's going to start falling apart.
4: Yep. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics, or your retailer might just bury you in a pet cemetery. Whoa. This is the Two-Headed Nerd. Signing off!
0: First I played with mommy, then I played with Sissy. Now I wanna play with you. Remember that kid? Gross. Ugh. He was so gross. Gross! <laughs>